which way to go. So much confusion.
creatures from above with its passing to a place guide us with your grace give us faith so we'll be saved oh let our hearts be filled with only your love and let the light of heaven show Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I don't know when God was giving out gifts. I'm telling you, very good. You are blessed. I wish I had that gift. My wife always tell me, well, you know, leave the singing to us. Very good. Very good. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you. May you use the gift that he has given you to glorify and to magnify his name. Amen. Thank you very much uh, to all the, the singers. Thank you to all those that came to praise God today. Those that's in the church and those that's online and those that's listening on the radio. God is able to reach you anyhow. He's not limited. We serve a God that is magnificent. He is a wonderful God. Amen? And so I just love to praise God. I just love to lift him up on high. He is a good God. Without God, where would we be right now? If God did not come in into your darkness and shed a little light, where would you be right now? I want to praise God that you're hearing uh, this message uh, in this church or online. I want to praise God for all the goodness that he continues to do for us. And I don't know, but I just thank God over and over and over again. You know, when I think of my dark moments in life, the Bible says that even if you make your bed, 
in the pit of hell, God says, I will be there. And that's the kind of God that I serve. Over the last um, month, uh, we have been uh, focusing on uh, some revival messages. And I've been impressed by God to revive the church, to preach revival. And I've been praying week after week, Lord, what should I talk about? What are the needs of the church? And so the first week we, we had the sermon on comfort zones. Helping us to realize that as a people we need to reach out of our comfort zone and to embrace the destiny that God has provided for us. He has a destiny for each and every one of us. God has a plan for you. Yes, you may be broken, afflicted, ill health, but God has a plan for you anyhow. God can use your situation, and it can be a way to help others on the way. Even in the hospital bed, I've seen individuals on their dying bed converting others in the bed next to them just before they die. God is a good God. And so we need to reach out of our comfort zone. We talked about that the first week I was here, the 27th of October. The next week, we talked about the perfect storm. That perfect storm. There are many storms that assail us in our lives. But God is able to bring us through the storm. God is in the midst of the storm. The scripture says he will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? And last week we talked about the sermon, What if God is not happy with our praise? What if God is not happy with our praise? Is your praise, is our praise consistent? Is the praise that we show here the same that we show at home? What if God is not happy with our praise? Today, I've entitled this message, Family Matters. And we want to explore the strengths and weaknesses and some of the substitutes that we have brought in into the family. And may God help us in this postmodern age, this year of 2012, a year when others would say that the earth is coming to destruction, the Mayan prophecy that is now changed. This very year, may God help us to realize that there is a God that cares so much about you, that cares so much about your family, that he set forth his son to die 2,000 years ago to save you, to save our family from the disaster that is to come. Let us pray. Eternal God, we are your people. And this is your word. And it deserves to be heard. We pray, Father, that you will connect your people with your words even now. That in these few moments there will be something said something said through your Holy Spirit to touch somebody that they will surrender not only themselves but their family over to you. Bless and lead us now, Father, as we seek your power, as we seek your conviction through your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture this morning that was read by the Richardson family. It says, except the Lord build the house, 
Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh, waketh in vain. In vain. It is in vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them, for they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Family is very important. And we have to understand uh, three things today. The family of God is built on a foundation. Number one, the family of God is built with a design. Number two, and number three, the family of God is built for a purpose. A recent survey uh, of our church back in September, conducted just this September, showed an alarming discrepancy in the family, showing us certain challenges that our families are facing. From that survey, it showed that over 50% of our families do not have family worship. Over 50% of our families do not lift up the word of God and worship. And this is what the survey said. This is about 100. We took 100 or so sam sample uh, population from this church, which is a third. And this indicated that over 50% of our families don't worship. Can you imagine if this is the state within the church? Can you imagine what is happening on the outside of the church? If it's over 50% here, can you imagine on the outside of those that's listening right now. It is very important for us to realize the importance of prayer, of study, and of sharing the gospel. What we have seen over the last hundred years, we have seen a shift from family worship to the worship of self, to the worship of money, to the worship of stuff. We have seen a drastic shift of church attendance. No longer do the community churches um, house the people from the community. No longer is this anymore. We, we see a shift in family values. We see a decrease even within the school system. Now, if you study the education system, our education system as we have it was derived from the neo-scholistic system where the church and the education system was one. It is through the church that the education system that we know it came forth. And the home, the school, and the church was closely related. They were one. But what we see in this present age we see a society with three different entities. Families have to fend on their own. No longer is school interested in what is happening in the family unless you come to abundant life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Abundant Life Academy, isn't that right, sister? No longer in general do we see, though, that the school is interested in what is happening in the home. 
and also the same with the church. Three different entities, the family, the school, and the church in separate ways. No wonder do we see in right across our world the crime rate on the increase. Uh, if you visit um, the prison, you would notice and you interview prisoners and ask them about their family life and they will tell you how they grew up. The story was told of this young man and this was a true story in New York City. This young man that was in and out of jail and finally he did the unthinkable. He killed a few people and ended up in jail. And after uh, they uh, read his sentence, uh, they uh, asked him if he had any last wish. And he says, I have just one more wish. And he says, it is to see my mother. And so they accommodated that. And he was shackled in his suit and, and so forth and the, uh, on his legs and his arms. And the, they brought his mother to him. And he says, Mom, come a little closer. And she came a little closer. And he said, No, Mom, come a little closer. And as she put her ear next to his mouth, he bit her ear off. And he says, Mom, you were a poor example to me, right? You did not do anything for me. You weren't there for me. You weren't a mother to me. You taught me drugs. You taught me to live in the streets and to, to get around and all of that. But you, you, gave, you were a poor example to me. And he bit her ear off and spit it out. And when we think of this story, I think it's an indication of some of the challenges that we face as a family. Last week I talked about poor examples in the homes and this is what I'm realizing uh, over the years. I remember when I was teaching, I was a chaplain and I used to go to the homes and visit the homes of Adventists, uh, Christians, um, Muslims, Hindus, uh, we had a school that attracted all these different religions and uh, some no religion. And what I found in the home was appalling. I would see the, this, the, the home, the situation in the home in the primary group. I could see that this was a mere reflection of the behavior of some of the students at school. And what we see that the home was, was, was engineering, we see this in the school and ultimately in society. It is very important for us to realize the importance of family and the importance of our home. Now I know that, yes, I'm preaching now to the converted and some of you are saying, preacher, you're telling us things that we know already. We know this already. But the interesting thing is, we may have a knowledge of something, but we are not convicted of it. Uh, you may know to do certain things, but well, why aren't you doing it? And that's a challenge that we have in this world right now where, where we like to be knowers. We like to be like those people in Acts chapter uh, 17 or 19, where these people that they love to get knowledge, but to actually practice it is a different story. Practical Christianity in this day and age is on the decline. And what we are seeing right now, we are in an era where people are, they're taught to say one thing, but do another. A major contradiction. And so here we meet in this meeting ground in the church. We come together to edify oneself. We come to share one another's testimony. We, we come to hear the word of God and see how it applies to our lives, into our family, and to help us to move on, to have a, have a stronger grasp on life. But somehow 
we fail to practice what is preached or practice what we preach. And that is the major contradiction that we see here. And so it's very important for us to understand there is uh, a foundation that the Lord wants to build, and he wants to be the builder of your house. He wants to be the, the cornerstone of your house. He wants to be the one that establishes where you build your house and your home on it. He wants to be the one. But there is a problem. We are fighting with God with this concept. We don't want God in the details. We want to do it our way. And as a result of this, over and over, failure is imminent. Over and over, when we try to do things our way and not God's way, you're in for problems. I would want you to turn with me to the uh, book of Hebrew, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're looking at verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2, looking at verse 19 to 22. In this scripture, as Paul is writing, and he wants the people of Ephesus to understand the fundamentals of who the foundation is, who you can build your foundation on. And in this, in chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Now, therefore, he are no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built up on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all buildings fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom he also are built together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. This is a very interesting text. And I want to read this text from the Amplified, the Amplified Bible, our paraphrase, as some would say. I want you to listen to this. As it reads from the Amplified, it says, Therefore, you are no longer outsiders, exile, migrants, or aliens, excluded from the rights of citizens. But you are now, but you now share citizenship with the saints. That's God's people, consecrated and set apart for himself. And you uh, belong to God's own household. Now, I like the way that reads because that helps me. It, it, it uh, resonates with certain things uh, that I'm, I'm thinking about. I remember when I came here just at the end of last month, and I, the, the, I, I saw in my hotel room the news of the election and all of that. And, and everyone uh, is, is lining up in different states uh, for early voting. And I said to myself, you know something? I wish I could vote. I wish I had the opportunity to make history and be a part of this election process. Now, the interesting thing is, right, uh, some of you may realize that I was born in um, Jamaica, and I came to North America at an early age, around seven, just turned eight. And um, when I came here uh, to uh, Montreal, um, I had to assimilate to this society. Eventually, I would go on and I became a Canadian citizen. 
And then afterwards, I moved to New York City uh, to be with my mother. And then after that, um, I became a resident of the United States of America, having my green card. Now, shortly after, uh, tragedy struck, and I had to head back to uh, Montreal, specifically to Laval. And uh, I lived in Canada all those years. Even though I came and studied in the States here in, my, in school, um, home was Canada. And so eventually, my green card, I thought I didn't need it. And so I just let it expire, and that was that. But then I heard something very interesting. I'm talking about citizenship. I heard about something very interesting. There is a law that states that if you become a US, if your mother became a US citizen before your 18th birthday, automatically you are a US citizen. No questions asked. How many of you guys know that law, right? And I said, wow. I'm a US citizen. And I would say, wow, that means that this call that I have to Nevada, that means that I could vote. So I had this, I had this dream of voting because now I'm a citizen. But I just had to verify the specific dates with my mom. So my mom was in Jamaica at that time. And I called her up. I said, mom, uh, when did you become a US citizen? And so she said, well, I'm not sure, Neil. Um, I, when I get back to New York, I will tell you. So she got back to New York, and she called me. And she went through her papers and said, well, I became a US citizen in 1987, September the 29th. And I said, Mom, could you say that again? I miss citizenship by 28 days. <laughs> because my birthday is September the 1st. And when I did the calculation, I realized. I, so I called the, I called the, the government, the, the immigration up, and, and, the, and I said, is there any exception? They said, even if this is one day after, the law stands. <laughs> And I said, oh man, all the hopes of voting is gone. And so what happened now, in order for me to come here to be your pastor, I had to accept a visa, which is called the R1 visa. And it is a non-resident visa. And that means all my old papers, my documents, I had to give it in. All my cards and everything. I I'm no longer a resident of this country. I'm an alien. <laughs> now, the Bible is saying something very interesting here, and I relate to it in verse 19. It says, therefore, you are no longer an outsider. I'm an outsider, unfortunately. Exiled, migrant, or an alien. Excluded from the rights of citizens. I can't vote because I'm not a citizen, but you are able to vote, and you did vote, and we saw the results, right? But you are now, you are now, you share now citizenship with the saints, God's own people, consecrated and set apart for him. For you belong to God's own household. Now, I may not be a citizen of this country of the United States of America, but the good news is that new, for all the French folks here, new, that means all of us, we, we are all citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen? And so we got to praise God for that because of what Jesus Christ has done. He has made a way for us to enter heaven and we belong there. We are not aliens. We are not migrants. And we have voting rights. That's the good thing about this whole thing. 
You got to understand this, that as God put it all together, we are now citizens. And so we don't have to walk like we don't belong. I have, I'm walking in the States here and I'm looking two sides and I'm wondering, do I belong here? I'm not sure, right? But when we enter the pearly gates of heaven, and even now when you give your life to Christ, you don't have to worry about anything. You just have to praise God because you have the rights just like any other saint in heaven. Amen? And I want to thank God for that. And so as this text comes together here, it's telling us here that none of us, all of us are the same. There is not a rank where the pastor is higher than anybody else. No. You know, you, one of the things that always ticks me off as, you know, as a young man growing up is to see these, you know, these high and mighty pastors walking around and they think, that they're better than everybody else, right? And, and uh, somehow their, their head is above the clouds that they can't relate to you and to your needs. And I remember my father challenged me and he says, you know, don't be, those, be, don't be like those kind of pastors, right? Be a pastor of the people. Know about the needs of the people. Be with them in the trenches. I remember we, a few years ago, we were doing community services, and there was this lady that came in from Ottawa, and uh, she had some all kind of different needs and everything, and this woman was on the floor and slouched down, and she just, I mean, she was just out of it. And so a sister and myself that was um, feeding the people and ministering to them, we decided, I said to her, you know something, in order for us to get through to this lady, we got to get down on her level. And so we sat down in our good clothes on the floor, and we were talking to her eye to eye. You know, I did chaplaincy, and one of the things they say is that you never try to get tower over somebody. You got to get down to their level, eyeball to eyeball, and you got to relate to them. And this is one of the things that uh, I believe that is, uh, we need to, as a church to be successful. We need to learn to get down to the level in our communities. We need to get down to the level of those within our families, right? And you have to be able to relate to them in an age-appropriate manner. Do you understand what I'm talking about, fathers? Do you understand what I'm talking about, mothers? It's very important for us. You know, too many times I see parents in the same, you know, mold. You know, we, I'm the mother around here, you know, and there's only one mother. And so you got to... And so we show disrespect to our children, and our children in turn shows disrespect to us. Right? And so we see this battle happening. Respect goes both ways. Parents and children must respect one another. Husband and wives must respect one another. Right? Uh, both of you wear the pants in the house. You know what I mean? Right? Uh, both of you, you are co-rulers. You are helpmates. Or helpmates. Right? Adam and Eve. Remember uh, the first tabernacle of the first sanctuary in the Old Testament was in the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve, they were co-rulers. They had their roles. You understand what I'm saying, right? But they are on the same level in the home, equal, rib to rib. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So all that junk that people been talking about, that women's ordination, a woman ought not to be preaching, garbage. Right? Understand what I'm talking about. It is, we are all on the same level, right? If God was able to tap a woman called Deborah, right, and say, listen, you're going to, you know, you have a husband, but, you know, I'm calling you to preach. I'm calling you to be the judge, right, in this whole thing. Well, God knows, right? If God could tap women in the Bible and make them prophets or prophetess, right, what's the problem with us? 
And so we have to understand fundamentally how it all comes together. Now, I want you to understand now. As we look at this, it says, Now therefore we were strangers and so forth. And in verse 20 it says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus needs to be that cornerstone. And I have a separate message on the cornerstone, but I want to take this and just show you how it applies to our theme today. Within the family, there needs to be a cornerstone. And if you study the concept of the cornerstone, a cornerstone was like that major stone that when the builder was building, they would build around that stone. And that stone will help your building to stay in place. The, 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 the cornerstone was, was that pillar that when the wind came and when the waves came and, and beat on your house, that cornerstone was the anchor that would prevent your house from rolling over, that cornerstone. But what we see in this day and age, we start building buildings in different ways. We start building buildings, and instead of putting the cornerstone in the house, we put it on the outside. Now, honest, understand and research it yourself. We see these monumental cornerstones that's established, and they put labels on it and say, this building was built in 1945 and so forth, and they put the cornerstone on the outside of the house. How on earth could your house withstand the storms of life how could your family withstand the storms of life with the cornerstone on the outside? we got to understand that it says in the scripture that the cornerstone needs to be established on the inside. In Psalm 118 verse 22, it says, The stone which the builders refuse is become the head of the corner. Builders may think they have the way to build and know how to build. But as our text says in Psalm 127, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. And too many times now we find families building on faulty foundation, building without a cornerstone, building without Christ in the home. And as a result of it, when trouble comes, your house breaks down. A hard thing that I have to face as a pastor is to hear these families that are strong families, notable families, well-to-do families, you know, spiritually, and you hear, did you hear brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, they're getting divorced? And, and, and the children, they're gone to this auntie and that, and a whole house breaks up because of faulty foundations. If you build your house on faulty foundation, you're going to get the same results. Right? And so we're going to understand what it is all saying and pull it together. And so as I pull all of this together to come down here in, our, in my appeal, church, you may be building your home on faulty slabs. You may think that you may have a way to establish your home, and this is the way. I'm going to build my home, and I don't care what the preacher says or the church says. I'm not going to have no worshiping home at my house. You know, I'm going to have an open house. My children, you know, as the law states, they could do whatever they want to do, right? You are going to get that result as a result of that thinking. And so, church, our homes right now, there is attack, an attack on our homes. Now, some of you are ashamed to talk about it. Some of you are ashamed and you're sitting in silence and say, please, pastor, don't come walking beside me because maybe the Holy Spirit is going to point to you and say, this is your home. But let me, let me tell you something. It is very important for us to heed the word of God. And God has told, he has given us instructions and he has told us how we need to secure our homes. The first things, husband and wives, your first priority in your home must be God. God must be first, last, and best in your homes. 
If you want to write that down, you can. God must be first in your home. Then after God, it is the husband and wife. Some of you are some of us. We put our children before our husbands. We put our children before our wives. And as a result of that disaster, you know, when, you, when a husband jumps in his bed and, and you know, cuddles up between his, with, with his wife and then he says, wait, who is that in the middle? A little child and the mother said, well, you know, he's sleeping in, the, in, in our bed tonight, you know. And you give a child more power over your husband. There is a disaster there coming. Let's understand what this is saying. The next after God has to be each other, husband and wives. You, your wife, if you're the husband, male husband, I'm not talking about no same gender and gender anything, right? I want to make it clear, right? Your husband, male, right? Your wife, female, right? She is the next one in, in the priority scale. Then after that is your children. After your spouse, your children falls in line. Understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm still going on this. Too many times we take church folks, we take the church, and we put the church before our family. Now, I remember I was guilty of that. I used to put the church and God in the same line. And as, the, as soon as the church calls, I don't care what, I'm gone. Leaving my wife alone with, with our little child. And, and that was it for me. I would go the whole day not realizing that it is not so. The church and God is not in the same level. The church comes after your children. Amen. Understand what I'm saying here? You have to have your priorities straight. I am always so happy, and I don't remember who was it. Someone told me that, listen, pastor, I can't come because I have to take care of my family. I said, praise the Lord. You got the concept right. And so we need to put our families first. They need to be first. You need to take time, spend time with your children. Spend time with your children. The statistics, the statistics is very high, showing where many families, they don't even eat together anymore. And so work comes in the fray, and work is before. And we put all of these things before when we have to have the, our priorities in the right order. God needs to be first, then your spouse, then your children, your family, and then the church. Understand? Jesus, he puts it in a different way. And he wants, to, wants us to understand fundamentally that in our system, as we grow here, we need to grow in oneness. We need to grow in unity. That as we march, we need to march together. Family. It is going to be a hard thing when a mother enters the kingdom and she enters alone. Her husband is outside of the kingdom. And when a daughter is in the kingdom and the parents are on the outside. It is a sad thing. God, his specific desire or his will is to come and save families. He wants to save whole families. And so he had set you in a family so that you will help each other to enter the kingdom of God. Families need to stand. Families need to surrender. And so today, I want to give you the opportunity through the Holy Ghost for family. You may be in a single family. You may be in a multi-dimensional family, whatever it is. Today, I'm making an appeal. And the appeal is to surrender to Christ, to surrender your family to God, to say, listen, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We don't care what they're doing there on the strip. 
We don't care what's happening in Vegas or what they call it. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? We want God to build our house. We want to have Christ to be the foundation, that cornerstone of our house. And we're going to build our house in the right way, establish on Jesus Christ the foundation. And we want to say that, listen, I want you to be the one, Lord. Today, I want to give you the opportunity, families. If this is your desire to build your family upon Jesus Christ, on the foundation of Jesus Christ and no other, but you want to establish your family on that, I want to give you an opportunity. Please stand if this is your desire, families. There are challenges, challenges that's assailing our families right now. And as I go into this specific appeal, it's going to be such a joy when a father will be holding his wife and she holding her son and the son holding the daughter and that chain enters the kingdom of God, praising God forever. It will be such a joy and Jesus will be celebrating just to see whole families coming into the kingdom of God. Today, I believe we have some families that want to surrender, not just the father. If you're a single person, you surrender yourself and come to represent your family. But there are families that want to say, Lord, we want to be saved. We want to be saved. All the members of the family might not be saved, but today you want to say, listen, I'm bringing my family to Christ. Today I want to give you an opportunity. If you know your family needs to be saved, I want you to mirror exactly what others will do entering to the kingdom of heaven. Hold your family and come forward. Surrender your family. Say, listen, I want to be saved. Father, take your daughter's hand. Take your son's and you want to bring your family and you want to say, I want to be saved. Wouldn't it be a joy in a few weeks from now where we can prepare even some of the families and we want to say, listen, we're going to be baptized together. And we baptize whole families together. Isn't that going to be a joy? Amen. Amen? Amen. Whole families. Now I see... Many individuals coming up, praise the Lord. But here's what. Today, the Lord is calling some families right now to surrender their lives and to walk in the watery graves of baptism in preparation for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Today, If you want your family to be saved and you know someone in your family is not baptized and you want to lift your hand and say, listen, I'm surrendering. We're surrendering ourselves to you, Lord. We want to be baptized. We want to be consecrated. We want to be renewed. Even some families want to be rebaptized, renewed in Christ. Because you don't want to have a situation where there's one person inside the city looking out with tears at the other outside. We want to be saved. If this is your desire, I'm asking you to just slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. This is baptism. Slip your hand up. Family, slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. We want to pray. We want to anoint you. Bible workers looking up. We want the power of God to touch your life. We want healing to come on, on your life. 
We want the Spirit of God to be dispatched from this church, and we want the Spirit of God to be directed by God's GPS to enter your home in preparation for the blessing that you never received. But today, you're surrendering your life. You're surrendering your all. And you're lifting your hands and say, Lord, remember me. I want to be saved. I'm going to be in the next baptism. My family is going to be in the next baptism. We want to be saved. Amen. I want to be saved. This is serious things, guys. I want salvation. In the audience, wherever you are, would you not lift your hand to say, listen? Remember me, Lord, when you enter your kingdom, won't you lift your hand? Lord, save me. Let us pray. Eternal God in heaven, we just thank you, Lord, for the moving of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, that you will touch each and every family in this place. We know, Father, there is a calling upon our families, not just upon individuals, but, Lord, you're calling families, Lord, to stand up in the community, to stand up that communities will be delivered over to you, Father. Father, you have an organizing campaign, and we know, Lord, you want to win each and every corner of this globe. And I pray, Father, that you will just touch each and every family. I pray that you will heal each and every family in this place now, Lord. Each and every family that's listening on the airways, Lord. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move in such a special way that that marriage where the problem is going on, the husband and wife, they're at odds, Lord, that there will be healing on in this home, Father. I pray, Father, that you will move up in that home. You know that daughter and the father and the mother and, and the son. You know the tension that they're going through, Father. I pray, Father, that you will just breathe your knowledge and that healing will come up on that home. Lord, this is time, Lord. This is high time for our families to stand up and say, it is enough. Devil, you're not playing around with us anymore. We're not going to answer your call anymore. We're surrendering our lives. Our lives and our all to Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that is being bestowed even right now upon families. And we thank you in advance for what you will do. Rekindle the flame, Father of love, of joy, of peace in the homes. That when all is said and done and you shall come back again and that city shall descend from heaven with all the saints in it, we will all be in it. And when that city sets down on this earth, we will look out, help us not to see none of our family members on the outside. But all will be on the inside, praising God forever and ever. Thank you so much, Lord. You're a good God. Please, Lord, keep us in this track and help us never to turn back. Bless each and every person in our midst now, Lord. They're individuals, Lord, I feel impressed that needs to come and talk to me. Even afterwards, please, Lord, lead them to surrender all to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.
feel refreshed, what about you? I really believe that I leave here a conqueror, more than a conqueror in Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. We want to thank.